I want you to take out uh, your bulletin with me, if you would, and we're going to be continuing in our series, uh, series, The Power of God's Compassion. And as we've just seen, there's, there are things that change in our world. There are seasons that come and go, but the good news is that Jesus Christ remains the same forever. In other words, no matter what happens, God still reigns. If you open the bulletin on the back side, there's a tear-off tab that you can fill out. And what that'll do is put you on our mailing list, or it'll help us to keep in touch with you. Uh, at the same time, you might have questions that you can uh, write in there, and then we can answer them. Uh, there's a place for prayer requests and praise reports. And if you're new, uh, first of all, we welcome you. And then if you could fill that in, uh, then it'll also connect us with you. Uh, that way you know more about what's happening here. Some of you are looking for a home church, and, and maybe you're here this morning, and you're looking for a place where your family uh, can learn more about God. And if this is the place, great, we welcome you. And if not, if you're still searching, maybe we can help because there are many great churches uh, that preach the message of Jesus Christ that we can help you find. Uh, so you can fill that out also. And then there are a couple cards in there. One is what we call looking ahead. And this will help uh, put you on our newsletter uh, email list. Uh, because of technology, you can stay connected and, and find out all the things that are happening here at New Opila, Hawaii. And then there's another card in there, and this one is very valuable because it's actually an invitation card. Uh, sometimes, you know when you're talking to people and you want to invite them to church, but you don't know how to bring the conversation in? Uh, what I've done is I've taken these cards, and we've made these especially for you to pass out to your family and friends because sometimes they're looking for that hope. You know, they're, they're struggling with something, but they don't know what to do and, and, and where to go. Uh, they don't know what church to go to or, or what to even expect. And so you just give them one of these cards, and if you want to, you can be more personal by saying, you know what, I'm going to be at the 7 o'clock service or the 8.45 or 10.30, and you can check that. And then when you give them this, they can go onto our website or follow us on the different social media sites and get a glimpse of what's going to take place here. That way they're at least ready to receive everything that God has for them, and it's just a simple way to invite someone. And then also there's your notes in there uh, that you can take out and follow along with the message, uh, just like those of you who are in college or high school, or if you go to different seminars, you take notes so that you can remember. Uh, that's why we take notes, so that we can remember what God is speaking to us, uh, because we preach from the Bible, and therefore, whatever God speaks to us, uh, it's going to be good, and we know that. And so we, we take notes so that as God does changes in us, uh, we can continue to cooperate with Him and those changes. Uh, we all go through changes you know, and, and like I said, there are good changes, but then there are also not so good changes. God does great things in our lives. Uh, we go through changes even uh, here at this church. In the past 35 years that we've been here, uh, we've gone through many different changes. Our building has gone through many different changes. Our campus has gone through many different changes. Uh, if you know the history, it used to be a pasture where cows would be. Now it's a place where we are, and don't even go there with that joke. Uh, we're here today, we are sheep unto God. So he's our shepherd, we follow him. We're not cows, we are sheep, we follow him. But some of the changes that we've been going through, uh, not just with the building, but technology, with video and our cameras, our projectors, lighting system, sound system, all the different changes take place. Uh, one of the major things that are taking place right now in this change is our sound system. And we've, we're We've gotten new speakers. We just hung up these brackets, and I don't know if you can see them. They're like these eye hooks. Uh, I think Glenn Motoishi and some of our volunteers 
uh, went into our ceiling to put these brackets because we're getting a new speaker system. Our speakers are 35 years old. Oh, not 35 years old, 20-something years old, how long this building has been here. Uh, and so we're operating on an old sound system with new technology here and there. So we got some new speakers that will help with our sound. We've been working hard at that. Arnold Penueta, our music director, has been working so hard at uh, our sound uh, because we get two extremes. Uh, some people will say it's too loud, and some people will say it's too soft. Uh, really, depending on where you sit, you're going to get different sounds because of the way this building has been designed. It's been designed acoustically for sound. But with the changes of technology and the way the, the speakers are facing, there's different, we call it hot zones, where you're going to sit. Just like the air conditioning. It depends where you sit. The air conditioning will blow on top of you and you're too cold. You'll sit someplace else. You're too hot. Uh, we, we all have different, uh, you know, uh, perspectives. We all have differences. So it's, it's going to be impossible to please every single person, right? God can't please everyone. He tries to, but even people as us, we're, we're not pleased sometimes. But our goal is to please God. How can we please God? How can we serve people better and redo our sound system and our equipment and all of that? And so please be patient with us as we work these things through. We're trying our very best uh, to work on the sound. Uh, and then also, when we do make the changes, uh, please be gracious because it's in that change too that we're going to experience new things. Uh, once we change the sound system, now things will sound different and it'll be different, but we still have to learn it too. And we do have to remember this. Uh, this church functions heavily on volunteers, on you, that you serve God with all your heart. So it's not like we have people who are specialized in certain things. And if you study the science of sound, it's more than just turning up the volume and turning down the volume. It's not a headset that costs $25, like an earphone, or your car speaker system where you turn your volume down and you turn it up. It's much more complicated than that. So we want to try our very best to do our very best in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with the sound system that we'll be getting. So thank you so much for your patience. Uh, thank you so much for your understanding. And then sometimes you'll, uh, you might give a suggestion uh, and then you'll attach your email. That, that helps a lot because we can um, hear from you what you're dealing with. Uh, sometimes people say it's too loud, but they don't specifically say what is too loud. So it, it helps when there's a dialogue rather than just an anonymous letter. It helps us to... Uh, kind of fine-tune what we're dealing with. So it, it really does help us. So thank you for doing that because we're all in this together, right? The church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. He's the head of the church, so let's follow him and the direction that he's going into, okay? So let's take out your notes as we jump right in. Uh, we're going to be talking about the power of God's compassion, but that God still reigns, giving me hope. And we all look for hope. There's a, a prophet in the Bible, his name is Jeremiah, and if you're doing your devotions, if you're reading the Bible through the bookmarker that we have at our information center, you're going to find that Jeremiah was one of those guys that was trying his very best to proclaim to the people the word of the Lord. He continuously were, were telling the people, this is what's happening. This is what God is saying. And so he went to the people and he gave them instruction, and God even told him this. He said, Jeremiah, you are to say these words, but you're going to speak to a stubborn people, and they're not going to listen to you. So imagine that, God giving Jeremiah instructions, saying, Jeremiah, give these instructions to the people, and by the way, they're not going to listen to you. It'll almost seem like Jeremiah would say, then, no sense. 
Why would I even go to these people if they're not going to listen? But Jeremiah obeyed the Lord. And so he did. He, he, he went to the people and he talked to them over and over about turning away from God, repenting from their sins, which is turning away from their sins, and heading in God's direction. And over and over he would tell them that, but for many of them, they just felt hopeless because of the sin that they were living in. And they drifted far from God. Jeremiah, because he could, he, he put his hope in the Lord, he could recall to his mind the Lord's mercies, his compassions, that it fails not, that his, his, his mercies are new every single morning, and great is thy faithfulness. In other words, even when we're not faithful, God still reigns. Therefore, it gives us hope. That's the whole reason why we can turn to God. Think about all the earthquakes that happen, the natural disasters, the wars, the catastrophes that take place. All of these things will happen. And it's interesting that even as a nation, when these things take place, we, we turn back to God. If I were to ask you, what, were the, what was the, the, major, the one major event that took place in 2001 that turned the whole nation back to God, what would you say? 9-11. That one event turned the whole nation back to God. That even in our state capital, they were singing worship songs to God. Everyone, singing worship to God. They were turning to God. Why? Because God still reigns. He can, he can he, because of all the things that we go through, He stays steady when we go up and down. And when I look at our track record as a nation, in 2001, if God is here, we will do this. We'll live our normal life and then when a, big catastrophe happens or something as terrible as 9-11, we all turn to God. In fact, that was one of the highest attended uh, times or attended uh, churches. Churches were highly attended at that time. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Sorry, I, I graduated with just a diploma, so I, I, I need some help, which is not a bad thing for those of you who only have a diploma. When 9-11 hit, it's like the whole nation turned to God Everybody turned back to God. And then when the dust settled and everything kind of settled down, for some reason, then we went back to our normal way of living. And it's not that we turned away from God, but we just didn't remember Him as much. We'll still pray to Him. We'll still think about Him. We, we can still turn to Him. But it wasn't like before. And then something took place in 2005 in Louisiana, and that was Hurricane Katrina. It's interesting, before Hurricane Katrina, if your name was Katrina, it was Katrina. Now you're associated with a hurricane. But if you're a mom, that may work. Hurricane Katrina came in, and then we all turned to God, and mostly those who were affected. Again, this is not a bad thing, but I do want, to, I want us to see the, this pattern here. And then when the flood subsided and then things started to get back to normal, which it is not because we're still trying to recover, but many forgot about God. Not necessarily rejecting God or, or running away from God. We, it's just, he's just not as remembered as much. And so our relationship is a little bit more distant. And then certain things happen. Whatever events, there's, there are school shootings that took place. We've had the earthquake in Japan, the tsunami here, uh, the 
nuclear power plant that's still leaking and, and now we're thinking about our ocean and the, the fish in the sea and how do, we, how do we deal with all of these things? And so you, you can see all of these events take place and people will cry out to God, but it won't be too long till we return back to our normal way of living. And so I said, Lord, why do we do this as a nation? Why do we do this as a world? And he says, you don't do that as a nation. You don't do that as a world. You do that as a single individual person. And that's your relationship with me. That you cry out to me when it's at, at the worst times. That you cry out to me when there's no other option. That you try every other option. When those things fail, then you turn to me. And I said, so how do we fix that? How, how do we... How do we stay close to you? The first thing is that we can turn to God because he still reigns. That's the, that's the only reason why we can turn to God, because he still reigns. And so this is what he said to me. He said, you got to focus on my son, Jesus. Because the life of Jesus is a model in how we can stay close to God, because God still reigns and, give, and he gives us hope. There's a reason why we can turn to God. Because he never changes. He's always on the throne. He will always reign and rule. Jeremiah, the prophet, he experienced pain too. Look at what it says in our notes, Lamentations 3, 19 through 24. He says, you know, the thought of my pain, many of us go through pain, my homelessness, some of us have gone through that or are experiencing that. He said, is bitter poison. In other words, it's not the best day of his life. I think of it constantly and my spirit is depressed. Yet hope returns when I remember this one thing. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. Fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. The Lord is all I have. So, I put my hope in Him. See, when it's, when it's all said and done, when all of these things happen and the dust settles, He still reigns. Therefore, why should I return to my old ways? Why not stay close to God? Why not continue to have Him reign in my life, not wait for some major catastrophe to happen again to turn back to God? I should just stay close to God. Why? Because that's where my hope is found. When I think, and Jeremiah said, when I, you know, when I, when I think of this constantly, all the bitterness, the pain, and, and homelessness, I think of it constantly, and when I do that, I'm depressed. Sometimes we think about the pain, the suffering, the, our past and what we've done wrong and our mistakes. No wonder we're depressed. No wonder we have this anguish look on our faces and that, just that, that, that look of no hope. Jeremiah is saying, well, if I think about these things, therefore I'm depressed. Yet hope returns when I recall this to my mind, Jeremiah says. That through his mercies, we are not consumed. That when I think about the Lord, that's where I find my hope. Because hope, hope is not something we grab at. It's not a, a tangible thing. Hope is not in our finances, nor our jobs, nor in other people. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's where we find hope. Hope is a person. Hope is alive. And every single one of us can keep a steady relationship with God how Jesus did by applying these three key principles. And the first thing is this, to keep my eyes on the Lord. What do you keep your eyes on? You keep your eyes on the Lord. Sometimes we keep our eyes on the news. First thing we do in the morning, we turn on the news. And we see all the things that are happening. And so we're depressed from the moment we start our day. 
We keep our eyes on social media. We spend a lot of time on social media sites and connecting with people, and we see all the bad news that is happening. And sometimes we spread good news, but it's like the Lord saying, what are you keeping your eyes on? What are you, what are you constantly thinking about? Do you constantly think about your past? I should have done this. I could have done that. Boy, if I did this different, oh, it would have been way better. What do you constantly think about? Do you, do you focus on the politics that happen or... or or your surroundings that may not be going as well? Where do you look for help? Sometimes we look for help in our money, our finances. We look for help in people. But when we look to other things rather than the Lord, we're not going to find hope there. We may find a temporary fix, but we're not going to find the hope that we're looking for. In fact, we become weary when we search for other places for hope rather than the Lord. As it says in Lamentation 4.17, he says, We watched and watched, wore our eyes out looking for help and nothing. We mounted our lookouts and looked for the help that never showed up. You know, they're finding that this generation needs glasses quicker than previous generations because they're focused on the computer and if they're playing video games for eight hours straight, your eyes are getting worn out. Especially on the computer or if you have like a smartphone and it's real tiny, you're going to see people squinting. And if you're beginning to squint, it's a little indication that you might need some glasses. I know we're in denial sometimes because I might be. But when we are focusing our eyes on something that long, it does something to our eyes. And, and Jeremiah is saying, you're looking for help in the wrong places you're, 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 you're focusing your eyes on things that will never come, on hope that doesn't exist, unless it's on the Lord, because hope is a person. That's where we find our true hope. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds on to us so tightly. And let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him. He thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right-hand side of God's throne. Jesus was able to keep his eyes forward. He kept his eyes on his father. How often we would read that Jesus went to a lonely place and prayed. He knew where to go. He kept his eyes on his heavenly father. And you might be thinking, so why do I keep my eyes on Jesus? What does that do? I mean, how does that help me? Listen, our faith is dependent on Christ. We cannot stand holy before a holy God. We stand imperfect before a holy God, but Jesus died a perfect death in our place, so now in God's eyes, we can be holy through Jesus Christ. Our faith hangs on Christ. Without Christ, our faith has no strength at all. So we fix our eyes on Him. Hebrews 5, verse 8 says, Even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. See, even Jesus had moments of suffering. But it was in those moments of suffering that, that Jesus didn't turn to sin. He didn't become hopeless. He turned to the Father. Even though he was struggling, he learned obedience 
through the things that he suffered. He constantly cried out to God. He knew where he, need, he knew where his strength came from. So this is what Jesus does. This is our pattern. Jesus' pattern is constantly this. Whenever he experienced like a, a, a hardship or, or suffering, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And so he continued to excel. He continued to press into his father, not fall from him or drift from him. He continuously pressed into the things that his father was about. That's why he said, my food is to do the will, to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his, his works. That I do what my father asks of me. He stayed close to him. And so every time he suffered, he learned obedience and he kept climbing. See, that's the life I want to live. I don't want to live like this. Tired, live like this. It takes more effort, momentum to get back up a hill rather than continue to climb. Once you get that momentum going, you keep going. You stay close to him. See, the life of Jesus and the Father's reign and rule in his life helped him to continue to climb. That reign and rule that Jesus knew of, that his Father had, caused him to be able to withstand the temptations that the devil brought, to bow down before me. And Jesus said, I'm not going to bow down before you. Thou shalt not worship any other gods. In other words, God still reigns even though you're tempting me. I'm not going to deal with that stuff. I continuously follow my Father. He says he continuously reigns. Even though he suffered, he learned obedience. And we can too. Even though we suffer, we can learn obedience because suffering can produce hope or depression. It all depends what you're focused on or who you're focused on. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He reigns and rules. And the second thing, not just to keep our eyes on the Lord, but, to, but despite difficulties, because we're going to face them, never waver from your convictions. The convictions you have in God, the, the, the deep-rooted things that God has placed in you, the, the, the promises that He's given to you, don't waver from those convictions. Even though, if it's, even though there's difficulties, even though it, there's suffering in there, you stay close to Him because it's worth it in the end. And any one of you who have done this, instead of falling from God and you continuously excelled in your relationship with the Lord, you know it's worth this route rather than this routine. It's so much more worth it. It's so much better to suffer for good than for evil. When we, when we suffer and obedience is produced from that, then maturity takes place in our relationship with God. Therefore, when these other things come up again and, and, and uh, whatever else tries to take us down, uh, uh, our, our marriage is, is kind of, you know, it's tough right now or whatever it would be. It doesn't take us away from the Lord. Or it actually helps us and maintains or, or helps us to strengthen our marriages or our relationships, our finances, whatever it would be, before some major thing happens. It prevents certain things from happening when we stay close to God. And that's what Jesus did. He stayed close to his Father because he knew that even though he would suffer, if he could persevere through it, stay close to the Father, then he knew that there would be a promise at the end and there would be strength that would be given to him. That's the life we follow. 
And when Jesus did that, even though it was difficult, he never wavered from his convictions. Jeremiah never wavered from his convictions. He had deep-rooted convictions, never wavering from them, even though he found himself alone in them. Go to a people that's not going to listen to you and give them these instructions. Why sense? Well, you know why? Because you said so. So I'm going to obey you. And he did. And Jeremiah did what God asked him to do. Lamentations 3, 28 through 33. He says, when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks in the way. I don't know about you, but I hate roadblocks. I don't like detours. I don't like when there's traffic. I like when it takes me 27 minutes to get to the destination that I know is going to take me 27 minutes and know what traffic lane I'm going to be in. I know exactly when the traffic light is going to change to know exactly what route I'm going to take. And then when there's a detour, it throws off my whole timing. Therefore, I'm going to be late to whatever I was going to go to. So I don't like detours. And I don't think you do too. And neither does God. But this is how faithful he is. He says, you know what? You're going in the wrong direction. I've got to put a roadblock here. And why are you going to put a roadblock? Because I've got, got to help you change direction. Your marriage is heading this direction, so I'm going to have to help you. I don't want your help. No, you want my help. You don't want to head over there because there's no bridge. That's why there's a detour. So God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to put these in your way, but I don't take no pleasure in doing that. In other words, what God is saying is, I'd rather you just stay close to me so that my spirit guides you rather than these roadblocks. That you hear my voice and you humbly follow after me. In every part of your life, your relationships, your, your, your finances, your, your children. By the way, happy Grandparents Day. I think today is Grandparents Day, right? So happy Grandparents Day to all you grandparents, grandfathers and grandmothers. So congratulations on that. I think if we were to look at the life of Jesus Christ and, and the fact that he was able to stay like this, it gives us that kind of hope. See, if, we, if we're struggling in our families and we're struggling with our relationships, don't you think God will help us? Don't you think he'll help us even before we get to that point? That when we see a little glimpse of heartache and pain, and instead of saying, no, I got this, I got this, no, I can figure this out, God says, wait a minute, I got some wisdom for you. As a father, humble yourself, just go talk to your children, tell them you're sorry for behaving like that, just go humble yourself. No, 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 not me, not father, not a dad, they come to me, they tell me sorry, I'm not telling them sorry. Or as a mom, maybe something happened and God says, no, you humble yourself, you go talk to your children. No, I'm not talking to them, no, it's them. If they just listen, I wouldn't have to pull their ear. If they just listen, and God is saying, wait, I, I'm trying to help you with something that you don't see. Therefore, if I, if I turn to him and I'm constantly near God, and when he speaks those things, I can hear him and I can obey him. That's what God is looking for. See, hope is not the absence of bad circumstances. Hope is a person. 
that when we wait for him, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he appears. Instead of us doing our own thing, wait upon the Lord because that's where we're going to find true hope. For many people, they may have everything, but because they don't have Christ, they have no hope. Oh, they may feel like they do. They may feel, or we may feel like that. I think we felt like that before. Oh, no, my hope. I got hope. I, I got plenty of hope in the bank. Because if the economy goes bad, I'm okay. I'll be okay. Oh, no, I have hope. I have a good support system. I have my family. I have my friends. No, I have hope. That's, I have great hope. Just in case anything goes bad, I have hope. No, I have, I have a lot of hope. I'm secured in my job. I have a lot of hope. And then we see the bitter end to something that we put our hope into that never lasts. See, if we put our hope into other things other than the Lord, we will be let down and we try to fill up our lives with more things to try to find that hope in Jesus is saying, I'm the only one who can fill that void of hopelessness because hope is a person. It's not a thing. So how do we find hope in the midst of difficulties? Well, you don't waver from your convictions. And, and here's the convictions. Here's the conviction. Lamentations 3.19 through 24. And this is how he puts it. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And this is what he recalls. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my, po my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. Hope is a person. Finding hope and being hopeful is dependent on what you recall to your mind. If we recall the things of the Lord, His compassions, His mercies, His loving kindnesses, His eternal glory, you will find hope because hope is a person. If you recall any other thing to your mind, the past mistakes, or I should have done this, what if I did this? I could have done this. What if I chose this instead? Or I, I could have. If we recall those things, we find hopelessness. Because we're recalling the wrong things to our mind. Don't waver from your convictions to those things that God has set in your hearts. Regardless of how, the, how difficult the circumstance. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Don't waver from the convictions that he's given to you. And then the last thing, live with an attitude of hope. Live with that attitude. You know, if you get up in the morning and the first thing on your heart is, Oh man, I gotta go work. You're depressed already. It's like you're setting up your chemicals in your body to be depressed. And so we think coffee is going to help. You know, I drink coffee and it's going to get me up. But you're still hopeless because your hope is in coffee, not in a person. And so we drink 15 cups of coffee. And so when you work, you say, hey, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Oh, it's all good today. Good to see you. Good to see you. Oh, good to see you. Good to see you. Two o'clock. Crash. See, hope is in a person. It's in, it's in Jesus Christ. Have you ever been around a person or people who, who they, they just are like, I don't want to say hopeless, but they just bring a depressed state to you. Like I remember this, this one guy I would talk to all the time. I'd say, hey, how are you doing? He said, oh, not good. I'd say, what? Why? What's wrong? Oh, man. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Now, don't think it's you, okay? Like, oh, yeah, hey, I was talking to him last week. This is years ago. And all the time I'll talk, it's, oh, this is happening, this is happening. I'm thinking, so what, is God doing anything good in you? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's doing this, this, and that. Well, guess what went happened last night? <laughs> well, what happened? I came home, my bags was packed. 
I said, what? Yeah, yeah, my bags was packed. My wife packed all my bags, kicked me out. I said, no way. So I was thinking, where are you going to stay? But nah, but he said, you, your house. So I said, so, so what are you going to do? He said, I don't know. I said, he didn't see this coming? He said, no, just out of the blues. I said, so like you guys had a great marriage, and then all of a sudden, out of the blues, you kicked down? He said, no, no. Okay. So I was gone after for three days. And, uh, and, then, and then I came home, my bags was packed. I said, wait, did your wife know you were gone? Well, well she should have known. And I'm thinking, that's not living with an attitude of hope. It's kind of like you do your own thing. And if you're constantly talking about a depressed state or the past or what is not going well, you're setting up yourself for depression. You're setting yourself up. I I remember speaking to this one lady. I said, hey, so how are you doing? How's your kids? They're all grown up. Oh, crazy. And I said, what, really? Yeah, all day long. All day long, all they do is laziness, laziness. They just sit around. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They don't even help me. I said, whoa, so, like, what do you mean? First thing they do, come home from school, throw all their stuff all over the place. And I don't know where these dishes come from. I don't know where these dishes come from. I wake up in the morning, it's a pile of dishes. So I don't know. I'm like, did the ghost do this? Whose dishes is this? And it's never anybody's dishes. And so we just let it pile up. We just let it soak for months and months and months. And so they don't even help. And they don't even help me clean up. When they're done, they go off into the room, and I'm thinking, what is happening? What is this, a zoo? Is this a zoo? What am I, a zookeeper? What are you, monkeys? What are you, monkeys? What am I supposed to do? And so I asked them to help, but then when they help, they don't do it like me. I said, but do they even help? No, they don't help. Well, sometimes they help. Once in a while, they help. They didn't even make their own bed. They didn't even make their own room. They, their room is like a bomb that went off. I said, so everything is just chaotic. Yep, chaotic. So have they ever helped you? Can you look for one time that they help you? Well, they try, but they don't do it like me. So what do you do? I tell them no help. (laughs) What? That's not living with an attitude of hope. I mean, even if they wash the dishes with the sponge, and even if no more soap, praise God, they're using the sponge. You know, just at least one small thing. Just little by little. You in bed. Yeah, let me smell your head. Oh. At least they're in shower-ish. You know, work on something. It's a word. It's there. I think we, we, we tend to focus on the things that don't go well rather than the things that do go well. And so now we're caught up in this routine because we have this thing in our mind called a learned conditioning or a conditioned response where when something happens, our brains keep record of it and that's going to be our routine. Like, like when I feed my dogs, once I open that container, they're going crazy. <laughs> food, 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 food. It's like Heidi when she puts the pan on the stove. Me, food, food, food. <laughs> kind of the same thing. There's a conditioned response there. And so it is with us. When we have this conditioned response, whatever we're going to think about, whatever we recall to our minds, that's how we're going to behave. So instead of me in the first, at the first part of my morning say, oh man, I got to go work, I got to do this, ah, oh, the house is messy, I do this. Get up first thing in the morning, first of all, praise God. Praise God. Thank God for the day, thank Him for the day ahead, because His mercies are new every single morning, fresh every single morning. His compassions fail not. Therefore, Lord, this is the best day out of my life. Today I'm going to live as if this is the best day out of my life. And things will go bad, but it'll be a lot better you going in with the strength of the Lord rather than the depression of a person. 
And you're saying to God, no, I'm, I'm heading into this day. This is going to be the best day out of my life. You made this day. Therefore, I will re re rejoice and be glad in it. You have made this day. So I'm going to follow you in it. And your compassions fail not. I'm following you in it. And when certain things come up, you're ready. Because you're not operating on your strength. Your hope is in the Lord. Not in anybody else or anything else because those things will let us down. I think as a father or as a mother, as a person, I got to ask myself, am I living as if God reigns? Am I living as if God is still on the throne? Am I living as if God is the hope that this world is in search for? Am I living that way? Am I investing in myself, not in a selfish way, but in a way that says, I've got to live in such a way that I'm living as if God is my hope, because he is. I've got to live hopeful. Hope is a person. Lamentations 5.19, it says, But you, O Lord, remain and reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to all generations. See, that's what, that's what Jeremiah concluded. That although he saw the nation of Israel go up and down, just like us as a people, we go up and down. He said, but, but this, this one thing is for sure, that God still reigns. Therefore, I can put my hope in him. See, God's reign and rule is not based on our fallen nature, that just because we're sinners, that makes him better than us. He's good without us. He's that great. His reign and rule is based on his eternal power, not our weaknesses and our sinful nature. Throughout time, there have been many changes, changes in rulership, changes in kings, changes in kingdoms and dynasties, changes in our economies, changes in the way we think, changes in dance styles and changes in technology. Many changes have taken place, but there's one thing that has stood the test of time, and that's God's reign and rule. He never changes. He never changes, and God is hope. He never changes when we change through him, we won't have to look too far for hope because now hope lives in us. Therefore, we really don't have to look for hope. We become hopeful. And it's only because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And close your Bibles and put away your Bibles, uh, put away your notes. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And let's pray. Lord, as we, as we pray to you, we know that there are certain things that take place in our lives that we have no control over. Things that take place in our world that we cannot control. There are wars that are taking place, rumors of wars. And you said these things will happen, but take courage for I have overcome the world. And so Lord, as we turn to you, we don't want to, we don't want to fall into the routine or the habit of turning to you and then when everything is good we turn away from you or we forget about you we want to stay close to you so help us to draw near to you to keep our eyes fixed on you to live with that attitude of hope and not waver from the convictions that you've given to us but we trust in you lord help us to pray for those people who have yet to come to know you as lord and savior that we will take these cards because you you live in us, so now we're hopeful people. We want to spread that hope to everyone else. That's the power of your compassion. It moves in and through us, 
Give us compassion for people, especially people in our city, in our workplace, in our family, that we would be bold enough to invite them into a place that helps us to draw close to you. So we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Can we thank our God who reigns forever? I want to encourage you to take that card and, you know, pass them out to people and let them know that there is a God who loves them, who has compassion for them, as well as all of us. I mean, somebody did that for us, and that's why we're here. Hope is a person. It's Jesus Christ.